Let me just pray. I want to pray because I believe God has a word for you this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that I have this morning to bring your word, God. And, and uh, it is always, always, Lord God, an honor. And Lord, I just pray that you'd, you would um, help me wash the people's feet with your word, Lord God. And we honor your word, Lord. We always honor your word. The, your, the word of God, if we don't have the word of God, our, our true north, our firm foundation, we have nothing. So thank you for your word and thank you that we can learn and grow because you have instructed us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. It's great to see everyone this morning. And look, my apologies this morning. I sent Carl my scriptures late. And here's the thing. Carl and Sonny do a remarkable job every week of bringing the scriptures up on the screen. And um, I was laboring at the word a little bit until late, like I had to duck home and finish off a few thoughts that I was hoping to bring this morning. And, and so by the time I sent the scriptures through to Carl, I missed the bus. The bus says, yeah, ever missed the bus? You're like, ah, and the next bus comes next week, in my case. So I have to wait one week. <laughs> but um, I honor the guys and, and what they do every week and uh, it, it's on me, so I apologize for that. But you know what? I encourage you. Old school way of coming to church is you'd bring your Bible or you'd get your phone out, you'd get a, a pen and paper, and you might want to jot down the scriptures that, uh, that come up. And you might think, because you know, it, it is our role as Christians to be able to take what we, what we are taught and then to you know, apply it to our lives, to test what the preacher has brought and, and make sure that it is accurate and it is, and it is on point. And so I encourage you, if you wanted to take notes or jot down even the, the passage of scriptures that we read, but I also will encourage you that if you wanted to hear it a second time, for those who don't know, we have our online uh, our services on our website. And so we have a podcast recorded every week and you can, in your own time, listen to it and you know, get caught up to speed with anything you've missed. So this is not the last time you hear this word, just in case. I want to let you know that. But I'm excited about bringing the word this morning. I want to continue the series that we've begun. And I think, you know, God has got so much more to impart into his church this morning about kingdom uniform. Kingdom uniform. The gospel of peace is what I want to speak about today. The gospel of peace. Because, of course, we've talked about the belt of truth, we've talked about the breastplate of righteousness, and the next, next piece of armor, or the next uh, yeah, direction of, of where we're going to go, is the gospel of peace. But before I get there, let me just give you a little bit of background so you're caught up to speed with what I'm talking about. I want us to understand. So listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew eleven twelve. It says this, And from the days of John the Baptist... Until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. The Amplified Version says this, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault, and the violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. The kingdom of God being established on this earth is like a precious prize. It's, it's something that is 
uh, worth more than more worth than anything that you've ever imagined or you could think of. The kingdom of God being established in people's hearts, in people's lives, in their family life, in their in every part of their life, penetrating through every aspect of people's lives. There is nothing more precious than God's kingdom coming, and it suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. There's not a uh, a passive kind of subtle, quiet, you know, um, submission to the violence that that we receive. And of course, the violence I'm talking about is the violence in the principalities, principalities and powers in the spiritual realm. That's the violence I'm talking about. But the violent take it by force because they understand the preciousness of it. We are called to be and to have a violent approach towards advancing the kingdom of God. Now, this verse, like I said, is not speaking of a physical violence, but rather violence in the spiritual realm being forceful through prayer and action, right? Pray and action. Always action follows prayer. And action should not go before prayer. Prayer should always allow us to give to God the direction and the, and, and, and the way in which we want to go. And when we pray, God will order our steps. That's what the Bible says, that as we have a plan in our heart, we give it to God, we pray, and then we take action. I want to continue talking about the violent approach we take towards advancing the kingdom of God. Who knows that the kingdom of God is needed on this earth? Amen? The kingdom of God being established is needed on this earth like never, ever before. I want to teach us how to prepare ourselves to win a battle that is being fought in the unseen. Whether you know it or not, there is spiritual warfare. It is real. Jesus prayed that you should keep them from the evil one. He also says, lead them not into temptation, but deliver them from the evil one. There is an evil one. There is a spiritual warfare that goes on. There is a, a battle for your soul, for your attention, for your focus. And there will always be until you part from this earth and be with our Father in heaven. Until that time, you will always have that battle and, and face it. But here's the thing. Here's what I want to talk about is we're not powerless. We're not, you know, like a boxing bag getting beat up but we can actually put on the kingdom uniform that helps us to be able to win in this spiritual battle that we face. Praise God that we are given instructions on how to overcome Satan. Hey? Amen to that. Satan, he has no ability to be able to hold us down and keep us oppressed or depressed or keep us fearful. He has no power over us. We can actually win as we continue to partner with God in building His church. Because let me tell you something, it's not just about us and our welfare and how good we feel and how good everything is going for us, but there is a higher calling. Can I encourage us? There is a higher calling. God wants us to partner with Him in reaching others for Jesus Christ. There's a higher calling. But let me tell you something, Satan, as long as... He's around, will not want you to enter into that higher calling that God has for you, for me, for us. Amen? 
Let me keep you up to speed, though, as far as the key passage that we've been reading from. Ephesians 6.10 says this, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, okay, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. As I said, this is what we're up to. We've talked about the belt. Let me go back there for those who might have missed it or just a little bit of a quick, quick revision of what we looked at as far as the belt is concerned. Satan, he understands the importance of your belt. The belt of what? The belt of truth. However, can I encourage you this morning? Satan cannot prevent us from wearing our belt. It's on us to put that belt on. He can't stop you from wearing your belt. It belongs to you. It's been given to you. The problem often lies with us. We forget to put the belt of truth on. We are the ones that sometimes open ourselves up to accusations, scrutiny, humiliation, discouragement, and the lies of the devil. We literally walk out the, those doors and think to ourselves, um, why is my day going bad? Why? Because maybe perhaps you've forgotten to put that belt of truth on. And I'm not saying that putting the belt of truth on doesn't mean you're not going to face trials and tribulations. But I am saying that while you have truth girded around your waist, whatever storm comes, whatever the difficulty that you face comes your way. You know that you'll stand and you'll continue to stand because you are armed with the armor of God. Amen? I encourage you to meditate and memorize Scripture. So as far as the application side of wearing your belt, there's nothing better than, than knowing Scripture, than, than the Holy Spirit reminding you of Scripture and you remembering Scripture, memorizing Scripture meditating on Scripture. And I encouraged the church a couple of weeks ago, sometimes you park in a particular spot in the Bible and you might live there for quite some time because it's almost as if your feelings and your emotions, they need to catch up to truth. Have you ever had that? Where you know truth and you're standing on it and yet your emotions and your feelings might be failing you at the time. But I encourage you, meditate over and over, park, memorize Scripture, know who you are, who God has called you to be, and stand strong as you face whatever trial you face. I encourage you to do that. The truth overcomes the wiles of the devil. Put truth on. Don't leave home without truth. Truth is Noisy. This is the second point I touched on. Truth 
is noisy in both the seen and the unseen, in the physical and in the spiritual realm. I remember the story of Jesus. He came into the temple, a house of prayer, but it wasn't the case when he came into the temple. It was used for selling and buying and all that. Jesus abruptly, with a lot of noise, lifted tables, made a bit of a commotion, but the point being, truth is noisy. Sometimes it is noisy. Sometimes truth must be declared, even if it's not the popular thing for it to be declared. You know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily invited or wanted or whatever, but it's still necessary that it's said. It's noisy, but it's also noisy in the spiritual. When Jesus would walk into a place, demons would recognize who he was. And the demons would be disturbed and tormented by the presence of Jesus. And I encouraged us a couple of weeks ago, and I want to encourage you again. You have the Spirit of the Lord in you and with you. When you walk into your day, understand that demons, they are tormented by the Holy Spirit's presence in you. You are not a beat, you're not to be beaten up like a boxing bag, like I said. You have victory. You walk forward. No, truth is noisy. It's noisy to the enemy. It's noisy in the physical situation and it's noisy in the spiritual realm. Your noisy belt of truth is deafening to the rulers of darkness of this age. The noisiness of truth disrupts the status quo, doesn't it? Because truth, without truth, there is no righteousness. Without truth, sin, it reigns. Without truth, there is no justice. Without truth, there is no salvation. Truth is noisy. Don't leave home without truth. Okay, two of the main points. But I want to move on to the next piece of armor. And of course, Joe touched on the breastplate of righteousness. righteousness and um, she brought that word beautifully. She reminded us, that your righteousness is not earned, it's given to you. you, you, are, you, you are, it's, and there's an exchange that happens. Your attempt of righteousness being like filthy rags is, is exchanged for His righteousness. He clothes us with His righteousness. I love the point she made about when my children are born, they're given a name and a last name, Joseph Rotniak. When you come to know Jesus Christ, when you receive him, you are David, righteous, Don, righteous. What a powerful, powerful revelation that we are made righteous, not through our works, but through the miracle of Jesus Christ and him giving us righteousness. And let me tell you something. Now the righteousness is on us to live it out, right? Truth, living truth, is wearing that breastplate of righteousness, living it out. And I encourage you on that. If you have come this morning and you're feeling like, I'm not worthy, I'm this or I'm that, can I encourage you that you were never, you were never the one that earned your salvation, you were ne and you never will be. Receive his righteousness this morning. Of course, if, if you're called to repent by the Holy Spirit for whatever you're, you know, you've, you've got up to, whatever you've sinned in, 
Repent. Be convicted by the Holy Spirit. Come and ask for forgiveness, but know that His righteousness is given to you freely. It cost Him everything, but we receive it freely. And then it's our responsibility to live righteously. But now, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Your feet shod. Your feet shod. Pretty much what that means, if you're thinking, what does that mean, shod? Wearing shoes of a specific kind, or, you know, so whatever that may be, you're, you're uh, playing soccer, you're wearing specific shoes for whatever purpose you're about to uh, do whatever you're about to do. But as far as we've been talking about the Roman soldier and as far as his uniform, shod, the, the feet that were shod, it was, it was important because it was deemed of essential importance in the ancient armor. In, if the feet or legs are materially wounded, a man can either stand, oh, sorry, can neither stand to resist his foe Pursue him if vanquished, nor flee from him should he have the worst of the fight. So basically, it highlights in the ancient world of a, of, of a soldier's uniform the importance of shodding your feet in preparation for battle. Whether you are pursuing the enemy or whether you are being pursued, and of course in this case we are not being pursued because we, are, we have God on our side. But the point being, you need to wear the right shoes for warfare. You need to be ready for battle. And without the right footwear, you're not fit for the battlefield. Does that make sense? I butchered that a little bit. My apology. I hope I've explained it now better. Shoes are important. We put them on before we leave to go anywhere. Is that true? True, right? My wife, she owns many shoes. And apparently, and I'll ask the ladies in the church here to help me, but apparently each pair serves a different purpose. Is that right? Is that how it works? Right. Actually, I've put her under the bus, but I'll put myself under the bus. When I was moving to Canberra, uh, we had our boxes. And, you know, you have to label your boxes because if you don't, you don't know what's in your box. And when you're moving to your home, when you're trying to look for your items, you don't know where your items are. So you label your boxes. And unfortunately, me, I, I labeled one of my boxes David's Shoes. And unfortunately, Lukeman was the one that picked up that box. And written on the box was David's shoes. And he'll never, ever let me get away with that embarrassing story because I probably have um, a good amount of shoes myself. It's not just Joe. And they do serve different purposes. Shoes. When I put my shoes on, here's the thing. When I put my shoes on, I'm prepared I'm prepared to what? To go. I put my shoes on and I'm prepared to go. To leave the house. 
Joe and I will often question, well, actually, maybe not question, maybe the more accurate word is sometimes we might argue with each other about being prepared to leave based upon whether somebody has their shoes on or not, right? Ever happened in your household? Joe, you're not ready. What do you mean I'm ready? You You haven't even got your shoes on. Your shoes signify preparation. I'm prepared to go. Without my shoes, I'm not prepared to go, correct? Unless you are someone who likes to walk around without shoes, which is the case with little children. The topic of shoes is a constant challenge. Parents, you understand what I'm talking about. The frustration we experience when we've reached our destination and realize our beloved child hasn't got their shoes. And of course, Joel's go-to is, quick, let's go buy some shoes. And then we have another argument because I'm like, we don't have the money to buy shoes. Why did you forget your shoes? Now you can walk around in your socks. No, I'm, I'm not a bad father. But the point is, shoes, you must put them on. They prepare you to go. The point is that I'm trying to make from this is Christians, you are instructed to shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need to envision yourself before you leave for the day. Not only are you putting on your physical shoes, but in the spiritual realm, you are shodding your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to be sent I'm ready for whatever purpose you have for me today. And I signify my readiness by putting on my shoes. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Our shoes serve, church, a specific purpose. They do. Where you go, get this, where you go, The gospel of peace goes. Where you go, the gospel of peace goes. I mean, it's on you. You've put your shoes on. Our shoes carry the gospel of peace. I love what Pastor Jack preached a couple weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, maybe now, turning common ground into holy ground. You step, you're walking with the gospel, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Where you walk, that common ground has suddenly become holy ground. The interaction you are having with your work colleague is now not just a common situation, It is now becoming a holy situation because you have shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Can I encourage you, Christian? Prepare yourself. Put your shoes on. Don't be caught off guard like 
or not prepared like my beautiful daughter who jumps out of the car. Lily, where's your shoes? Because the world needs the gospel of peace like never, ever before. The world is in turmoil. The world is in chaos. They need the gospel of peace to be brought forth. Now listen, the gospel is termed the gospel of peace. Why? Why? Because it establishes peace between God and man. That's why it is called the gospel of peace. It brings the creation and the creator into a relationship, into a harmony that was designed from the beginning of the earth and was messed up by Adam and Eve. Probably messed up by me if it was me and Joe. (laughs) But Adam and Eve were the ones that copped the brunt. But from the beginning of time, before, before God's idea was for man to be in relationship with him. So this gospel of peace, the point of it is it's meant to establish peace between God and man. And you are the one that has the gospel of peace on your feet, walking into a situation, understanding that I have the message to reconcile people to Him. The, the Bible says in Romans 5.1, listen to this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace, into this grace in which we stand, don't we? We stand every day in His grace, don't we? And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, character, sorry, in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I love this passage of Scripture because it talks about we have peace with God. But that peace is not conditional, as in it doesn't doesn't depend on our circumstances because the Bible says There will be tribulation, but the tribulation will produce perseverance and perseverance character. And we have a hope that we continue to hold on to. And that hope will not disappoint because the Holy Spirit has been poured out. This is the the condition of a believer. This is the gospel of peace. Through thick and thin, we have a hope that will not fail us. This is is the gospel of peace that you are carrying. I'm explaining the the shoes, what they look like, the characteristics of of the shoes that you're wearing, the gospel of peace. Through tribulation, through trials, whatever may come, we have an anchor, a hope that doesn't fail us. 
but continues to stand firm for us. God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. But let me tell you something. That's the, that is the characteristics of the gospel of peace that you and I have that we shot our feet with. But listen to, listen to this. That is not what the world has. This is, this is the, they don't have this, this peace that we're talking about. You have it. They don't. We have it. They don't. Colossians 1.19 says this, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. And who is Him? Him is Jesus. So it pleased the Father that in Jesus all the fullness should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself. By Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace, having made peace through the blood of His cross. And we just talked about righteousness and the blood of Jesus being spilled and poured out for us. He had, he's made peace with us. That's the condition. That's the, go, that's the gospel of peace that you and I shod our feet with. Before we leave, knowing that he has made peace through the blood of his cross. And what does that blood, what, what, was, that, what was that cross, what does that cross represent? I'll tell you what it represents. It represents a, pass, a rite of passage to have relationship with the Father in heaven. That's what the cross, the blood that he, he poured out for us, that's what it represents. It represents, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, there is a rite of passage through Jesus Christ to be in relationship with the Father in heaven. That's what it means. That is, listen, people that you know, they might not say it, but they walk around with the weight of sin. And it's a heavy burden to carry, let me tell you that. I know for me, when even living in the Lord, if I'm to blow it, even the guilt or the conviction the Holy Spirit brings, even for a day or whatever, that's heavy as it is. Can you imagine, multiply that for somebody who does not know Christ and who has a lifetime of sin that they've never repented for? That's a heavy burden to carry. But then you come into the picture with the gospel of peace, knowing that through His blood, you don't have to carry that heavy burden anymore. That heavy burden of sin and shame, it can be forgiven. You can be set free from it. Beautiful gospel of peace. It establishes peace between God and man. 2 Corinthians, now listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, and you have to listen because there's no slide up there. <laughs> Hopefully I'm able to say that the, the passage is clear enough. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. Tie that in with, Shod your feet 
with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Lord, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to take on the ministry of reconciliation. This is me, Lord, this is me letting you know that I am ready to take on the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to who? To us. To us. The word of reconciliation. That's what shotting the gospel of peace around your feet means. It means the ministry of reconciliation. It means I am here to tell you about a God that loves you, who died on the cross for you, that wants to be in relationship with you, that will forgive you of your sins. Our shoes, church, let me say it again, they serve a specific purpose. Where you go, the gospel of peace goes. The gospel that establishes peace between God and men he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Praise the Lord. Our shoes carry the gospel of peace. I can't say it enough. You know, let me share a little bit of a, a story. Um, and it's from this place. I, I work sometimes casually uh, here to support the family. You know, a large family of seven. Believe you and me that, that uh, you can never have enough. There's always needs. And Joe always lets me know about the needs. <laughs> which is wonderful. I have needs, and they're good needs because I have kids, which praise the Lord. Um, but can I just share a story? Uh, I was at this school here, and there was a lesson there that there was a, a few students that were a bit distracted. And uh, the teacher, I'm, I'm kind of like the 2IC because I'm the, the permanent teacher is usually the main teacher, and I support the, the main teacher as a casual. And there were some students that were you know, being naughty and just being disruptive, as they are. And so the teacher pinpointed about, I don't know, maybe seven or eight of them and got them to move to the other side of the room. And this one student, he sat at a desk, and apparently there was a bit of dust and a bit of dirt on his table, and he wasn't very happy about it. So he said, sir, he said to me, sir, can I go wash my hand? And me being enthusiastic to support the other teacher who had just moved this student with others, I said, not right now, mate, because I'm thinking this is a behavior thing. No, no, just sit as you're told, do as you're told, and we're not going to be moving. We're not going to be going to wash our hands and disrupting the learning environment. Just stay where you are. Anyway, it was the end of the lesson, and suddenly I felt on the back of my jumper, I felt something, and I said to the the student who I had said no to, I said, did you just touch me? <laughs> and he goes, yep. Uh, and, and I go, why? He goes, oh, I, I just wiped my hand on you because you didn't let me wash it. And I was like, what? And I'm, you know, I'm like, mate, I was, you know, this, this kind of unsettled me a bit as a teacher. I said, you can't do that, mate. So I waited till the students went and I addressed the issue with him and the other teacher. I said, mate, do you understand that you have, you have violated my circle of, uh, you know, my boundary? You don't do that. You're not allowed into people's space like that. You're not allowed to do that. He goes, yep. 
And, and he was kind of not apologetic at first, but I made him realize, this is, this is really bad. You cannot do this. Okay, yep. I go, do you know the consequences? Yep. Okay, you know, you'll be, you, you can get in a lot of trouble. Yep. And then he kind of, you know, apologized on the spot, realizing he did the wrong thing. But what happened later is I went to my next class, still a little bit disturbed by it. I'm thinking, why? You know, it's one thing to tell a teacher what you think, another thing to touch a teacher, right? And I'm in my next lesson, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, should I report this in the uh, school uh, communication? Let, let them know. And then I, I opened up, and I looked at this particular student, and I found that, you know, there were a few things as far as, you know, uh, behavioral issues, disabilities, different things. And my heart began to get soft, and I thought, you know what? No, now that I know that this student has a few things you know, that are um, with, with him. I'm not going to uh, move forward with this. But what happened is a teacher came into the class and said, this student is here to see you. And he was bawling his eyes out. You know, he was uh, weeping. And he came and, he, and he's crying. He said, I'm so sorry. I said, straight away, I'm reminded, I've got the gospel of peace. I've shod my feet with the gospel of peace. I have an opportunity right now to show this child what forgiveness looks like, what love looks like, the love of the Holy Spirit through Christ coming through us, with us, the gospel of peace, the gospel of peace. God, God doesn't condemn us. He forgives us. He's forgiven me over and over again. What right do I have of holding a grudge or unforgiveness towards anyone. I said to him, I said, I looked at him, I said, mate, already forgiven. I said, I said, the fact that you have come to ask for forgiveness and you're apologetic, I said, that tells me how much of a good kid you are. I said, don't worry about it. I said, I don't. And he's, no, I'm not a good kid. I'm not a good kid. He's crying. And I said, listen, I have, I said, look in my eyes, because <laughs> I wanted the Holy Spirit to look into his eyes. And I said, forgiven, mate. I said, I don't want you, I want you to walk away from here without even a thought of what happened today. You're completely forgiven. Gospel of peace. We shot at our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And here's the thing: I was prepared. I was prepared that day. I didn't run out the door without my shoes on. I didn't hold a grudge, or if anything, my heart broke for the kid. And I was able to show him God's love. Romans 10.15 says this, And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Do you understand, to a world of chaos, to a world hung up by shame, hopelessness, no direction, feel like there's no purpose in life, your feet with the gospel of, feet, of peace are beautiful when you come into that situation. Your feet... Bring the, the gospel of peace into a situation. And the Bible describes it as how beautiful are those feet. 
Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Can I tell you something about the shoes that you ought to wear? They're not meant to be hidden. Your shoes are not meant to be hidden. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed. It's the gospel of peace. It's the power onto salvation. I don't know if you remember, some of you might, but back in when I was at school, there was a shoe called the Reebok Pumps. Anyone remember them? Reebok Pumps? Maybe not big in Canberra. Definitely big in Penrith, Western Sydney. Reebok Pumps. Put it this way. When you wore them, you knew that you were wearing them, or everybody knew that you were wearing Reebok pumps, okay? Reebok pumps were the thing to wear. They were loud. <laughs> they were proud. I am, and, and, and in some way, I guess it, it, it showed off that I'm able to afford Reebok pumps. But the point is, our shoes are not meant to be hidden. They are meant to be bright. They're meant to be attractive, you know, have you ever gone into a situation where you quickly discover somebody's a Christian without even knowing that they go to a church or they, they, you, just, you just begin to talk to the person and the Spirit of God that lives in them, you recognize the Spirit of God that lives in them because you have the Spirit of God in you and the attractiveness, the beauty of the peace that rests upon that person you recognize that peace because you live with that peace. You, it's not meant to be hidden. This is a, this is a, this is the, the gospel of peace is not meant to be hidden. Peter, think about Peter. He hid his salvation, didn't he? Peter, the gospel that established peace between God and him through Jesus. In that moment of pressure, in the moment where he was questioned about him and his relationship with Jesus, he denied Jesus three times. He hid the gospel of peace, didn't he? He had an opportunity at that point of time. And of course, I'm not judging him. He's a man. I'm a man. I make mistakes. We all make mistakes. But the point is, in that moment, having the opportunity with peace that he knew through Jesus Christ, he hid that peace. He wasn't prepared. He was like little Lillian running out the door without any shoes on. He wasn't prepared to have peace in that moment. I want to finish with this last slide. Proverbs 29, 18 says this, And where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The word vision, translated in Hebrew, means vision, means oracle or divine communication. Oracle, what does the word oracle mean? It means a priest or priestess acting as a medium through whom advice or prophecy was sought from the gods in classical antiquity. So here is you and I. When we deliver the gospel of peace, you are delivering divine communication. Divine communication be reconciled to God through His Son, Jesus. You are 
the God person, the God figure, the holy man, so to speak, holy woman, so to speak. You are that person delivering divine communication. Be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Your place, vision, into the hearts. You're placing vision into the hearts of people who are visionless, who are perishing. You are placing vision, the call of God, into people's hearts. And that is a humbling and yet beautiful revelation, isn't it? Can we have the uh, worship team come and join me?